0: Hi, guys. Welcome back to A Different Life Story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day, another fantastic day for a beautiful guest to bring on today. I've got Cassie Holland with me. Cassie is an amazing woman who went from dope dealer to hope dealer. And that is just a story I needed to hear. So welcome, Cassie, onto my show.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Ah, uh, Kessie, uh, uh, it is. So, I mean, it's it's you're a young woman. So, thinking back that your addiction is is a is a matter of the past. You must have been starting early. Was it sort of kindergarten or did you sort of get in, in primary school into the dope dealing? How did it yeah, go? Yeah,
1: second, about second, third
0: grade. Yeah, exactly.
1: Thinking, see you? my jacket. Come on come,
0: right. on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, I guess your upbringing was a little bit different. Tell us a bit about that. <laughs>
1: well, so, I mean, I grew up, I was born in West Texas. And I was, I grew up in a little tiny town. And then when I was about seven, we moved to New Mexico. And that was a huge culture difference for us. And so, I was immediately an outcast. Oh. Immediately. And so... I spent the next couple of years really trying to fit in. And I I guess I got to the point I didn't I didn't actually do drugs until I was a sophomore in high school. That was the first time I did it. And the people that I was around that I did it with, they don't care who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are all accepting. <laughs>
0: Exactly. exactly. Looking
1: back on it, it's because they're super high, but they just don't care. You know, I mean, they were all accepting. So,
0: i fit in (laughs) oh no well that's logical isn't it and and that That is so that is so common though because as addicts we we try to surround ourselves with other users or drinkers or whatever your 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 addiction is and therefore you do no longer stand out for you if you look around hey that's all normal see everyone is using so therefore there is this kind of calming effect on yourself Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that, of course, you lose a lot of friends, so to speak, when you stop using or stop dealing or stop drinking. Um, But we'll come to that. That is probably something for later in the interview. So finally, you fit in, so to speak. Um, How does that change you? Uh, If you look back at, at pictures from your childhood, is there a very clear change in your demeanor or change in your... In your looks, did you suddenly go emo or did you suddenly go punk or?
1: So I went from being the little girl that was the only one that always had bows in her hair to looking like um, a gangbanger. I like had a pierced lip and crazy hair and bandanas. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I was not cool. Not cool. <laughs> I look at pictures and I'm just like, oh, whoa, wow.
0: <laughs> but what did your mom say to that? <laughs> did she just think it was sort of so, a normal, normal, normal period that a teenager goes through?
1: Well, so like I said, I tried it the first time when I was a sophomore and then I didn't do it again until I was a senior. And then when I graduated, I was 17 and i went to australia and we went to a dance competition wow. and we came back from that dance competition i turned 18 in august and i moved out of my house that day ah uh, okay so so that whole transformation from <clears throat> horse riding bow wearing sweet innocent little girl to that wasn't necessarily as in their face, as it could have been because I left. So.
0: And it's really hard, isn't it, for a parent? I mean, right now my boys are on the cusp of leaving. They're eighteen and nineteen, and it is part and parcel of spreading your wings. Sooner or later, you have to leave. You want to stand on your own on two feet. Were you were you able to hide your your frustration, your the, the the change that you were going through from your parents or was there uh, were Not you open really. with your parents
1: my parents were in serious denial and i think the day that i packed myself and left was pretty mm-hmm. eye-opening for them it would have been easier had i left for the right reasons But I didn't, I just left just because I needed to do that elsewhere.
0: So and then of course, suddenly, if there's no more pressure, if there's no more, no more shackles on you, you can of course let go. You can do whatever your reptilian brain wants you to do. How did that yeah. look like?
1: Yeah, and then I there's no guilt. Hmm. like that you know I didn't have to worry about breaking my mom's heart and doing drugs in her house because I wasn't in her house so the guilt was not as bad
0: Hmm. when you did your first drugs what what drug was it
1: I did I did meth the first time
0: was that very prevalent was that easy for you to get hold of
1: way easier than I assumed because I did it the first time and then I got out of rehab the day before my 21st birthday Mm
0: -hmm. okay
1: (laughs) so it was
0: it was yeah but for three years for three years yeah that was New Mexico Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is there a strong gang culture there is that the reason that it is so prevalent or uh, who is stealing is it is it moms and dads in suburbia who are dealing, or is it who who was your supplier? It's
1: it's generational. It's generational. So it's a it's a big thing there, and it's really close to Mexico. Huh? And so there's that influence. There is a large poverty population in New Mexico. <clears throat> So there is a lot of gang activity, there's a lot of crime, there's a lot of... And that's not to talk terrible about New Mexico, it's a gorgeous place. Beautiful place to live, oh, please, but please. The, the, the drugs are everywhere, it's awful. So,
0: Well, please, I live in, in a tourist Mecca called Rotorua. Rotorua is gorgeous, I love the town, but 1% of the town is gang members or gang affiliates mm. and p is a we call it p so crystal meth is an absolute scorch an absolute uh it's huge here and right. it's a real 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 shame so but it is what it is so you can't just say ah oh, no 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 because it is uh, indigenous or because it is uh, socioeconomics whatsoever. we don't talk about it because it is it is no 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 this is just prejudices. See you're going again in our case you're going against Maori or etc uh, the problem is there are certain subgroups of our society who are far more uh prevalent when it comes to to the police radio to to track seizures to uh, gang affiliation to family harm etc it's Mm -hmm. that whole thing and you obviously Mm -hmm. you were you found and you found yourself straight in there you were you were initially the the horse riding girl and then you actually went pretty hard into dancing isn't it you were uh, a competition girl uh, with dancing what kind of dancing did you what kind of dancing did you do
1: um tap Tap was my favorite. Excellent.
0: <laughs> ah, cool. Now, when you're high as a kite, you tend not to be so coordinated, isn't it? Or what did a meth do to, to you when you were dancing? Were you a better dancer? I,
1: uh, no. Well, I thought I was.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, Wodka.
1: absolutely. You're like, oh, what? I can do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. <laughs> Injuries? Uh, did you hurt yourself when you were when we when you were under the influence
1: um, no no
0: okay no. because that's so so easy with alcohol you suddenly think, oh, of course I can do that. And yes, you could two, three years ago when you were training hard and you could do a nice uh, uh, figure with your uh, acrobatic move with your partner on in rock and roll or so. Um, but uh, then when you're yeah. pissed like a fart now, typically ends flat on the on the, on the the dance floor and the only hope you have got the cheese as drunk as you so that it's more a giggle uh, yeah. end <laughs> than... Than actually broken bones. Ah oh, dear. Um, okay, so yep, just we're just to making
1: to- an ass out of myself than hurting myself.
0: <laughs> so true. Um, nowadays there are pictures. So you grew up in a in a generation where there are already pictures around, where there's already a social media a bit more, etc. I was lucky. I
1: skated by about this far.
0: Uh Have you? Have (laughs) you? You lucky girl.
1: That was right before MySpace.
0: (laughs) Oh, you were lucky. You were lucky. I I feel so sorry for nowadays, uh, nowadays my children because they can't do anything. uh, And there's so much Mm peer pressure through the social media. It's awful. Whilst I had good times and in actual fact, i was renowned for the parties that i threw at university so my party parties were pretty much out of this world but the rule was no phones uh we didn't have picture phones then but it was it was it was a very clear understanding what happens at my party stays at my party and that was brilliant and it was but amazing then so that of the next morning you tried to figure out who went home with whom etc so it was it was interesting um but these were these it really were st-
1: is a brilliant idea <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. no that's the only way you can do it uh, or you have a jammer a phone jammer nowadays mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that you need to protect yeah, yeah. yourself it's just you want to have a normal normal life god it is there's so many beautiful beautiful little uh comical skits on the internet where you see this this couple in the in the uh in a cafe rowing and picture (laughs) (laughs) and it's just oh dear anywho so you you escaped that so there's not too much evidence of your of your past
1: Mm -mm. no because the first cell phone i had was like the block with the green screen on it that didn't have a camera
0: Nokia, so, Nokia 92. No evidence. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, you could like but,
1: run over it and it would still work.
0: <laughs> exactly. Same here. This is, let's uh-huh. bring them. Actually, no, I, I love my phone. There's so many good things that I could do with my phone. But honestly, yeah. Okay. So no evidence. You were away from your parents. There was this mm-hmm. freedom there. Where did the money come from? Because crystal meth, wherever you buy it, it's not just $5, is it?
1: No, it's not. But mm. I mean, if you get in with the right people, you get to do what's called a meth head mid level marketing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I didn't know that there was actually a career opportunity there, but obviously there is. I'm I'm impressed. I don't impressed.
1: suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suggest it, but yeah. it's out there.
0: Right. So basically, mm-hmm. you start dealing yourself in order to get the money in, and then allow yourself to to uh to to procure your own your own trips
1: which inevitably got me kidnapped kidnapped Mm.
0: how did that work
1: um one of the people that i was closely associated with had borrowed some money from some very unsavory people Mm. and then he disappeared ha and then a little while later they found me at Allsup's, which there's a gas station here and put me in their car and I had to pay off his debt.
0: Shit. How much are we talking about? Shit is right. Mm-hmm. How much are we talking about? About $200,000. Jump change for a middle management uh, consultant like you at that time. How the hell did you do that?
1: Yeah, you know. Mess, how does
0: how, how does it work
1: with was paying good
0: Arr. how in in all fairness how much does one hit <laughs> actually cost or did cost then and does cost now how much are we talking about
1: mm, in comparison i'm not i don't even i don't even know what it would go for now i mean that mm. was 14 years ago yeah, yeah. but back then you could get you know you pay 20 bucks and you would stay up for a few days
0: Oh, wow. So okay, so quite a bit. It
1: wasn't super cheap, but it was <clears throat> super effective.
0: But if you think about it, you want to, to run away from your world, from your own pain, from your own suffering. And for $20, do that a, a, a several days. Thank you very much. I think that's a good bang for the buck.
1: Hell yeah, take it.
0: <sighs> Bloody hell. Okay, no, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. I was somehow under the impression that the meth would be more short acting and and more more um so do you top that up or how does it work actually for you in in to stay up so you basically have that what every two three five hours or how does it how did you yeah i
1: mean depending on depending on how often you use i probably used three four five times a day
0: yeah
1: yeah by the time i was you know Hmm. Sure. Nice and hooked. Hmm. So.
0: Man. Okay. So there you are. And and obviously you take on your own life there. This is the, everything is for an addict, 80, 90% of the day is focused on using, hiding that you're using, procuring more drugs. So that's mm-hmm. a typical thing. That's that's for an alcoholic. That's for a gambler. That's for a sex addict. Yes. Uh, we are all pretty much the same. So uh, you lived in this world um how did your exterior changed how did your did your health change meth is not particularly kind on the on 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 your body is it
1: no it's not when i went to treatment um i'm five six and i'm i've always been you know an athletic build because i was always a dancer i've always been but when i went to treatment i weighed 98 pounds and I am still to this day, 14 years later, fixing my teeth. Ah. And it didn't start affecting my teeth until a few years after I got clean.
0: Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, no sleep, no food. Hmm.
0: Well, no exactly. shits to give. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> so. right. Exactly right. I mean, what yeah. we're talking is severe malnutrition. It's basically, yeah. you You probably had a worse nutrition than many people in Africa. So oh, yeah. it's, it's uh, that's a fact, end of the story. Mm-hmm. Which vitamins, you know, in the, your body didn't see any um, unless you sprinkled right. them and, onto the mesh. I mean,
1: which vitamins does jet fuel deplete?
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All of them.
1: <laughs> Every one of them. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly right. Okay. Wow. Wow. The rehab, oh, well, let's, 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 Be clear, you were still, you were a woman who finally fit in. You were a woman who finally found herself, who made money. I mean, there would have been a success feeling there. There would have been the money there, the temptation there. Plus, there would have been the mind-altering effect of the meth. What Mm -hmm. the hell would possibly be able to stop you? You had a great time Yeah. What was yeah. what what changed?
1: Um, it also had a pretty negative effect on my mental health.
0: <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. <laughs>
1: yeah. So okay. the whole new world I found was the world of shit that I had just gotten myself into. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh huh. Uh huh. And I participated in a B and E. And if you've ever listened to Dane Cook, he's a comedian. He talks about doing a beanie. That's a breaking and entering. Also don't suggest that ever. But uh, I went home and I told my mom, I said, I would rather die than live like this because this is not who I am. I can't do this anymore. And I had been rescued and on lockdown in my house for like two months, my dad found me they hid my car they stashed me out and I still was like okay Uh. (laughs) and then Uh. and then that happened and then I I told my mom I was like I like this isn't who I am and I can't live like this anymore but I can't stop and I went to treatment three days later
0: fantastic Mm -hmm. Did you, did you have any contact with your parents whilst you were living through that phase?
1: So, when I was in high school, my mom has always been a very accepting individual, for lack of better words. She's always just loved everybody. And she met a group of kids that were dancing at the high school and they got in trouble and they wouldn't let them dance anywhere. And they were kind of a rough crowd. And so she told them, she said, I will let you use my studio as long as you protect my space, you know? And so they did that. We all ended up being a really close knit group of people. Mm-hmm. And when I got kidnapped, one of the guys that was there followed me, he followed them. And he stayed there with me. And he he would text my mom and tell him, I have your daughter. I can't bring her home, but she's okay. So.
0: That was rather lucky, may I say. Yeah. Or you could say it is karma because when you put something really good into the world and, and protect others or do something others, it, it comes back one day. And yeah, you were you were in the beautiful receiving end there. I was bloody hell. I
1: totally was. So that was probably the most contact I had with them at in, at that time.
0: Yeah. Wow. And then your mum, you open up to your mum, and three days later you were in rehab. Uh, Are there many rehab facilities in the area that you are in?
1: There were not any in, there wasn't any in New Mexico that I could go to because part of the reason I was, part of the reason I had such a change in my personality is because I had a traumatic brain injury. And that's what, started my senior i started my senior year off with a brain injury and so that caused a ripple effect and when i tried to go to treatment there were places that wouldn't take me because of my head injury and then there were places that would treat the head injury but wouldn't take me because of my addiction
0: oh no okay so
1: i had to come back to texas to go to treatment
0: huh Mm -hmm. which of course is a blessing in disguise because it takes you away from the gangs takes you away from the people that you were dealing with it is creating a protective bubble in which you can start healing so actually this is a beautiful thing my rehab was uh, two and a half hours north in Auckland uh, and that was a superb facility uh, it is no longer around in, in the way it was capri hospital was for me a lifesaver but it was a protective bubble mm-hmm. you were in there you were locked away literally for two weeks before you get your know, permission to actually go on on <laughs> on chaperoned walks kind of a thing so you really have to earn your privileges again but in that time you can heal you get take, taken out of, of all the mess that is in your head. Was that the same for you in Texas?
1: Yes, when I got to the treatment center, the, the lady handed me a urine specimen cup and I just looked at her and she said, this is the only place that you can stay when you fail this test. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. And I had seven different drugs in my system.
0: <laughs> what was going i was like that's right i was about to say come on that's quite cool but then again i mean for those of you for hey listeners and and viewers out there when you're into drugs at at one point you don't care anymore just bring it on okay Mm -hmm. and all these drugs have different things so you need an upper to be up and then you need a downer to come down again. Then you have got side effects of the uppers and downers, and you take other drugs for the side effects okay. of the uppers and downers. And then yes. you've got side effects from the drugs that you take for the uppers and downers, and so on, and so on. Uh-huh. And and in all fairness, if, if alcohol is the same, we, we disguise it. We are saying, Oh, we are suave, we are converseurs, I'm a wine collector. Well, actually, I'm an empty wine bottle collector uh, called alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> but No, 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 no. You you, you dress it up. <laughs> so yeah. uh, having said it, in drugs, you can't really dress it up in any good way. Apart from saying, see, I'm so macho. I can take anything. My body can take it all.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're just like, oh, yeah?
0: yeah, bring it. That's odd. So what drugs did you take? Uh, what was found in um, your system?
1: Uh, Coke, meth. Alcohol, marijuana, uh, mushrooms. Mm.
0: Um, And an opiate thrown in. I was (laughs) going to say opiates. (laughs) The full house.
1: um, Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Which, of course, makes it a bitch to come off because all of these things have actually different, different um how shall i say withdrawals have different uh time frames of coming clean uh mariana is a long-term bitch to get clear in your system i mean that hangs around for for uh, two months you have got the alcohol which is quite easy typically four or five days of nasty withdrawal and then you can actually start working with that brain that is coming slowly out of its stupor um but with you you you've had everything in there all right. Yeah,
1: that, that first seven days was a bitch let me tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah can you remember anything of it?
1: yeah oh i remember it all oh I mean, it, it was a it was a when i walked in when i walked into rehab yeah. there was a guy running down the hallway with pigtails and a bug net and i was like <laughs> and i turned around i looked at my mom and i was like you're not fucking leaving me here no way Mm-mm. She was uh-huh. like, uh yes, I yes. am. Yeah. <laughs> sure am. <laughs> oh,
0: excellent.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I was like, oh
0: my God. So, okay, well, you said, oh my God, whilst you were still under influence, uh, or or sort of just coming off it. But when then the withdrawal hit you, I mean, for guys, when you're listening there and you have no idea what a withdrawal is, imagine the worst flu you can get so a really nasty influenza Mm -hmm. and then couple that with the worst food poisoning that you can imagine so it's coming typically up it's coming down you feel crap you're sweating every muscle hurts you 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 think you're cold (laughs) oh exactly and whatever you do you can't get better it doesn't matter if you wrap Mm -hmm. yourself up or cool yourself down or whatever Okay. It is a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you and and typically with the drugs that you had been taken, no surprise there. The drugs are okay. far more powerful. Um, I had uh, I had a withdrawal, but which was far more uh, got, um, hidden. It is I felt okay-ish. I didn't feel great, no surprise. Um, but my blood pressure was through the roof. my heart rate was going. So I had I had a milder version of what you had. Uh, that is just because I've never taken drugs or or not mm. drugs that I was depending on. Um, so I was lucky in, under these circumstances. But certainly many other of my fellow inmates uh, were not so lucky. And so yeah. there were some like like hospital scenario beds in within our facility where people actually went through the acute detox. And yeah, so very much like what what you had gone through. Yeah. Wow, well, seven. How long were you in rehab?
1: Twenty-eight days.
0: Beautiful. And unfortunately, that's it's it's always twenty-eight days. And the reason for that is that uh, that is the longest that typically insurance companies pay for. So therefore, all the, the uh, all the programs are designed twenty-eight days. Nowadays, some of them are a little bit shorter, uh, depending upon how you address it and which clientele you take in. But uh, yeah, that's where the 28 days come from. So it's a pure money thing. How much did it cost you, mom?
1: About 50 grand.
0: 50 grand US, that's right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Again, I thought I paid a lot. I paid twenty-seven thousand New Zealand, um, but fifty thousand is heavy duty. Um, Were they gold-plated cutlery that you had, or um, why did you pay fifty (laughs) thousand? How does that work?
1: (laughs) So I was there for—I was there, like I said, for twenty-eight days, and it was an all-inclusive program. So the first thing they did was focus on nutrition, because, Mm -hmm. like you said. Addiction is awful on your nutrition. So their their food program was based on the nutrition that your drug of choice depleted from your system.
0: In your case, everything. That was easy. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) I gained 46 pounds in 28
0: days. Wow. Oh, your body was soaking it up, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, So, you know, we did meetings every day we had classes every day but it was it wasn't it wasn't like a facility if that makes sense it was a it was a house it was a ranch house there was 28 people that lived there girls on one side guys on one side and there was people from all different walks of life Mm. everything you know there was a common area in the middle and a kitchen nobody fought nobody argued that was just like Mm. but I'd pay 50 grand over again.
0: (laughs) Look, this was the best investment you've ever done in your life. Um, 50,000 is nothing. I mean, how much is your life worth? You know? Yeah. Exactly. Do you really want to put a price on that? And let's be quite clear. 50,000 is jump change when you're doing drugs. I mean, how much was your habit actually costing you? Did you do the maths with hindsight?
1: My... By the time I went to rehab, my addiction was costing me about five to
0: $600 every couple of days. Every couple of days, bingo, ka So make it. And okay, it started
1: so, off with twenty. so take uh, note of that. Yeah. shit gets expensive.
0: <laughs> That's my point. So if you say $50,000, yeah. whoa, I can't afford that. You then mm-hmm. have to say, well, actually, you could afford your drugs. So how the hell did you do that? And you
1: think sp- you've spent more on less, I promise.
0: Exactly. Exactly my point. And mm-hmm. the 27,000, when my wife paid that out for me to have that all inclusive holiday, um, I <laughs> um, we didn't have the money. So she had to take a loan and to to pay that. But with hindsight, that was a year, year and a half of my alcohol bill. So since then, I have been clean. Uh, The odd little uh, relapse in the the first year or so. But all in all, let's call it clean. And therefore, I have saved, accumulatively, so much more in those seven years since rehab. Um, So therefore, it was an investment. That's the way how I look at it. That was the best investment I could have done.
1: in this case, you've got to spend money to save money.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> touche! In the best, in the best way, isn't it? Yeah, goodness. <laughs> when you left rehab, and you try to sort of start getting your life back together, did were there still people trying to catch up with you from your old life? Were there uh, did gang members or or other people try to get back some product or maybe money that you were owing? How did that hit you?
1: I tried to take care of anything that I thought would have come up before I left. That was
0: a wise wise idea. Uh, So you obviously Mm -hmm. were, were actually very motivated to put an end to that phase in your life. I was. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Because that is often enough we addicts, we, we do sort of half-hearted, oh, yeah, no, 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 i going to get clean. But just in case, I keep that little stash to one side there, just in case I change my mind. And <laughs> so you obviously, or did you do that, or did you did, you, did you actually, actually go all out?
1: Actually, so my parents just moved out of their house not too long ago. Um, when we were cleaning out their house, we found a box that was had like, all kinds of shit in it. And I was like, oh my God, please get rid of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I recently cleaned out my garage and and there I've got this workbench and somehow I sneaked behind there and just there. I thought, what is that? And there was this little bottle there and it was a bottle of some health juice. And of course I had filled it up at some stage with vodka. So there was this eight year old vodka there. <laughs> And I just looked at my wife, look what I found. (laughs) I told
1: my mom, I was like, I don't think that meth ages like wine.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) 14 years is probably not a good idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a beautiful reminder. And and like you said, oh my God, same here. There was this roller coaster of emotion there. Immediately, shame, guilt, oh my God. And then a, a little bit of pride that actually wow uh look how far you have come and then immediately the addict in me hey, if you just don't tell your wife you've got some 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 alcohol lying around hey that's cool so when you want some you can and you think what the hell what the hell I've done what is wrong with you years. i know i know but it's that, that little voice in there that addict that that will always remain with us you know it is. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. We are mm-hmm. addicts. We love that that first hit, that dopamine. I mean, we are super responders with dopamine in our brain, mm-hmm. which means the first time you get your hit, you are wow, that's cool, shit, <laughs> that's amazing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but did it last for you that hit? Did it? Did it? How long were you happy? With the amount of drugs we were taking, in other words, you had your first hit, you were feeling really good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, then and then how then did it
1: The first time I used it, I didn't know what it was. Mm. I was just like, "Oh, sure." And then, like, thirty hours later, after I hadn't fallen asleep, I was like, "What? <laughs> what was that?"
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> wow! Wow! So.
1: And it scared me. I was like, I'm not doing that again. And then I lied to myself because I did do it again quite a few mm. times.
0: <laughs> so what did it give you? Initially, it gave you basically that acceptance by your new found friends, by your new peers. But did it give you any benefits down the line? Or did you just use in order to avoid withdrawal and just used because you were using
1: no in the end it didn't give me any benefits it was just got me in a world of shit Mm -hmm.
0: basically same with the alcohol well it numbed me it it numbed me comfortably and i oh yeah and that's and that's that's really it stopped the pain I think mm-hmm. there there's that one benefit that I can give it. After all, that's why I was drinking, why yeah. because I, I I didn't want to deal with the trauma, I didn't want to deal with the things that had happened in my life, and it, yeah, it it therefore it has a benefit. So I give that single point to alcohol um, or to drugs in this case. But damn, the costs of that of that numbness, bloody hell. Mm-hmm. So now.
1: I struggled a lot with my weight growing up.
0: I was always. Yeah. Did you think you were fat or was that what you were worrying about?
1: I <clears throat> I was always just a little bit thicker than everybody in my family. I was always just, you know, just a little bit. And it always bugged me because people always made comments about it.
0: Oh. And not necessarily.
1: I know. And it would so it, I and still to this day, I have like a weird food thing. Like I I eat, a girl will eat. But, so when I lost, you know, a crap ton of weight, I was like, oh. Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Mm Ah, see where this is going.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Did you find yourself beautiful at that time?
1: I think that's what I was going for. I was trying to be able to look at myself and see that.
0: So the kind of trailer trash, beautiful kind of uh, mixture is that uh, the, the gangbanger, you called it gangbanger. Yeah. Yeah, gangbanger yeah. beautiful.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I don't. Hell.
0: And how bizarre is that? Because our brain wants to to change the pain It wants to Mm -hmm. change its own dynamics and wants to say, see, see, this is actually good stuff. This is good stuff. Despite Mm -hmm. that 99% of the other things are maybe not so good, but no, you want to focus on that one bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, How bizarre our brain is. Anything for pleasure and the avoidance of pain. Mm -hmm. But all that, what we're talking about now, all these kind of insights, that's not what you have when you're just coming out out of rehab. You're you're walking out of rehab and you think you've made so much, so much progress. Wow, look how far I've come. And now now we both know we have only just scratched the surface, (laughs) crying out loud. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. How cute. (laughs) Now, the reality is there's so much more work to be done. How did it continue for you? Did, how did you did you find a support network? Did you how did you find so, the, the answers to those many questions that, that you didn't even know you had?
1: I have a fantastic support network. I just have, and I'm lucky. I'm blessed that I have that. Um, this is probably gonna piss a lot of AA people off, but I could not do the 90 meetings in 90 days. I could not do it. Couldn't do it. Because every time I went to one of those meetings, all they did was talk about how bad they wanted to drink and how much better their life was when they were drunk. And how effective is that? And I was like, you guys are making me want to go out and get
0: hammered. I had exactly the same experience with some meetings. Exactly the same. There were some meetings that were gold because they actually really made me think. And I I heard some really good stories, but I also went to other meetings where the same guy droned on for 25 minutes uh, about how shit his life was and how good AA is. But you knew that he was white knuckling it because he was, it was basically, if he was not at this meeting, he would be at a bar. So, and it is this kind of, oh my God, Same thing here. So that is a journey, obviously, that you do do. So AA or that particular AA group did not suit you. So what? where did you gain your strength from? Where did you gain your support from?
1: I'm super instant gratification rooted. Like I like instant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Still, still. And so I just had to refocus my brain. And instead of 12 steps, I did three steps because all of the 12 will go under the three. And instead of going through the 12 and going through the list and doing all of this and taking forever, you got to own it. You got to fix it and you got to live it.
0: In a nutshell, you have broken down the 12 steps. That's exactly, that's exactly it.
1: And there's so much less pressure around those three, because once you own it, you can make amends, you can admit that you have a problem. You can do all of that. You know what I mean? And then once you decide to fix it, you can go through the treatment. You can do all of these things. And then you have to live it. You have to live it every day, every single day.
0: (laughs) My step's to sobriety. That's the book that I have written, and ultimately, oh my
1: God,
0: I need that. <laughs> yeah. no, no, you have just you have, you have just nailed it. You essentially boiled it down to the same principles as I have. I've basically translated the, the twelve steps uh, from its traditional thing into a more modern day version, where you basically can can uh, you know, own it, <laughs> fix it, and what was the other one? How you called it? Live it. Live it. Exactly, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. And it is, that is what actually recovery in a nutshell is. The problem is that when you're starting off, uh, you need the hand-holding. You need someone who guides you through those things. If everyone had that insight that we now have, mm-hmm. uh, we wouldn't be in that, that scenario. But there are yeah. very clever people out there who tried their lifelong to deal with the, the childhood trauma or whatever it is, uh, the combination of factors that led them to the drink or to the drugs. Um, mm-hmm. They need handholding and they don't yeah. know what they don't know. I was the classic example. Uh, step four in the classic AA system is that you make long lists, long lists. And one of them is about resentments. So those people you hate these. these these people look what they did and because they did that I will now drink two bottles of vodka I show <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of bullshit.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I did not realize that that was resentment and anger was a huge thing for me, and I I I had been bullied I had been going through rough times there for a number of reasons, and the. When I actually wrote these things down on paper, and then when someone held a mirror in front of my face and asked me, well, what was your contribution to the whole thing? Suddenly, I had to say, oh, yeah, actually, um, okay, there's more to that story. So I had no idea about that. So I needed that stepwise approach. And when I when I left rehab, I think I was pretty much step four, step five, give or take. And they recommended me then to do some uh meetings. And in because I'm a doctor, there was also I voluntarily was being put under the medical council here in New Zealand under their health unit. And they said, no, 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 you continue with your program. So now you will go twice a week to that place. And so I didn't have the the choice of not going or going. I went or my job was on the line kind of a thing. So I went to the other place and it was interesting too, because this other place was not bad at all Uh, was actually potencies of where I had just come from. So that was an intriguing uh, thing when I thought, damn, I'm actually, the the tasks that I was given to do to further myself, I might have as well taught them to the other people there. And And it showed after a while because they said, well, can you do X and now show us what you have done? And I came up with model answers kind of a thing because I had done all the work. So yeah. what do I want to say is I guess that the point is that there is a huge amount of work to be done and if you can condense it into the three steps and truly live with it and actually know the meaning of these steps, there's absolutely nothing wrong um, if you are an overachiever in a good way, not just not just you know, in the seven drugs that you had in your <laughs> yeah, you system.
1: Keep being an overachiever with yeah, your that's, right, that's <laughs> right. You also
0: need to tend to be an overachiever actually in your recovery and actually deal with the shit. Yeah, for problem, sure. Problem, of course, is it takes time to deal with shit. Um, did I mean, initially there would have been certain things that you dealt with and then you left recovery or rehab and your early stages in recovery and you thought, yeah, done it. Finished. Fixed. I fixed myself. Look at me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> was that, was that a state of your, your recovery?
1: You know, I mean, I didn't, run out of rehab with butterflies and rainbows coming after me or anything because I was 28 days clean. You know, I still was dealing with, because like I said, my, my head injury caused a lot of chemical imbalances. So I was dealing with anxiety and depression before I started doing that, got off the drugs, my anxiety and depression were way worse. And so I was on, I came to rehab, to get off drugs. And I left rehab on four different kinds of medication. Mm.
0: But there's nothing wrong with that because doctors would have basically assessed you and would have thought, okay, these drugs are to actually help you sleep because no, you need that. They
1: were amazing.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. They were amazing.
1: Beautiful. One of them, I mean, they were antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. Mm. And then I had, because one of the things that it really jacked with was my impulse control.
0: Wow. Ah. Well, normally, normally, so, uh, addicts are not very known for impulse control. Let yeah, me put it no, like Yeah, no, but that. it made
1: it way worse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like. okay. So they
1: gave me a, a medication to help with that. Which medications for,
0: would you be, would you mind sharing? But what what um, helped you? So
1: I was on Zoloft. Yeah. I was on I can't even remember what it was called okay
0: no that's cool years
1: ago Mm. but I left I left there and I was on that medication for about six months after I left and I remember for the first time in years stopping and thinking Uh before I acted oh cool yeah yeah so there's absolutely nothing wrong with the Mm. medication that helps you
0: oh please and that's so important that's so important for me it was the sleep um i was i was working stupid hours uh, 16 hour days mm-hmm. and then i would be drinking to actually calm down after that high the problem was that alcohol would give me a second wind so i would be suddenly b-ding, b-ding. yes yes i've been awake 20 hours but let's clean the garage or let's mm-hmm. do whatever it needs to be done and no surprise. So I was, I was essentially like a meth addict. Just keep going, 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 like the Energizer Bunny, and uh, just going mad. And the batteries rarely ran out, but they did run out. And when they ran out, it was a massive burnout. So I would be going, 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 crashing for a few days, yeah. getting colds and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So please, I've I've lived that life, and I've got the mental scars um, from it. And then suddenly. You come into rehab, and suddenly they gave me tablets to allow me to sleep. So, a certain antipsychotic that is used in New Zealand, and it worked like a treat. So, there I was standing at eight o'clock sharp. Come on, (laughs) my sleeping tablet, so to speak. And she said, Don't you want to stay a bit up? It's eight o'clock. And I said, No. I haven't slept for many years. Uh-uh. Now Shut I up. became fiercely, <laughs> fiercely defensive of my sleep, and it was uh, the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Even nowadays, still, it is. Uh, I love my sleep. Still from that time, I, I'm still catching up, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy to me the 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 karma and the taboo that is around antidepressants and sleep aids and let me tell you something if it helps you show up take that fucking pill
0: mm-hmm exactly i
1: don't care what it is
0: exactly and you need that to start off with later down the line you can taper off etc but uh, look at the goals that you have you want to be there you want to be able to show up and do the work that you need to do to get clean in your head and with that i don't mean clean in your body coming off the drugs that's mm. that's the, the start clean in your head means that you're actually dealing with the problems that are there. And if you're sleep deprived, well, that doesn't work. And if you're full of anxiety, uh, abnormal pathological anxiety, and there is something we can do for the time being to calm that down a bit, whilst you're learning the skills to later naturally deal with anxiety attacks, to accept that there are waves in the ocean, you can't do anything about the wave. The wave will come. This anxiety attack will come. But like a wave, it comes and goes. So basically, you know, what's your anxiety attack like? Is it a minute? Well, fine. Wait a minute. Uh, five minutes? That's cool. Go to the toilet, have a pee hyperventilate <laughs> in five true. minutes do. <laughs> yeah exactly and then it's done it's done so if you yeah. once you have learned those techniques you don't need the drugs anymore but mm-hmm. don't just try to do it all don't just try to be the superhero now nah, i do it all and look my my body is a temple i won't take these drugs but I snort everything that I someone gives me on a plate. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah, get your ass down off your righteous high horse.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had, we had actually quite a few few girls like that uh, in my rehab. Oh no, 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 no! I don't want to do that to my body. So it's funny that you say that. I got that that flashback there. <laughs>
1: well, it cracks me up. They're like, "Oh, I will do all the coke that you will give me, but mm-mm, I'm not going to take that antidepressant because so and so at the country club will find out, and then I'll be a mental freak." <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> Exactly. You were just, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay.
0: That's how, how our brain works. Crikey. So now you're there 14 years later. Um, for many of us addicts, once we've gone through the shit and once we have actually gone up, done the work, so we got our own head clean, sooner or later, you start to give back. And initially, it might be not necessarily so obvious to yourself, but it might be in little discussions with someone that you actually open up to uh, about your own trauma and your own things. and, And you start seeing the smiles on other people's faces or the relief on other people's faces when you actually share your story. And they said, oh, God, you know. I, I felt like that and, and yes, I I actually do that and that at the moment. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Did yeah, that happen I, to you too?
1: You haven't learned what you've learned for nothing. And I always tell people, I tell I do a lot of sobriety coaching. And I always tell people your struggle will be somebody's survival guide one day. Exactly. Because That's- you know, if you went through it and you survived it, then you're proof that they can too. And so-
0: It's beautiful, it be, isn't it?
1: It is, it really is. It mm. really is because it might be shit right now, but it's for a reason.
0: Mm. exactly. It's
1: beneficial. There's gonna be somebody down the line that is in that same line of shit that needs exactly what you know.
0: Mm. Exactly. And so. guess what? the trauma that you have suffered? Mm -hmm. is there and it is you're not the first one who has suffered that particular trauma whatever your circumstances are and you are not the first one who then acted out with drugs or alcohol or behaviors that you are not proud of Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the beautiful thing once you start surrounding yourself with other addicts that have been there, done that, and you listen to their stories, suddenly you realize, whoa, okay, I thought I was bad, but no, nope, no, nope. he, okay. he or she got the crown there today. Uh, yeah. And it's it's so beautiful. I said, what I said, an example is... Uh, you don't know who actually in your environment needs the help. I had written My Steps to Sobriety uh, over um, a few weeks and basically the book was finished by January when we came back from Christmas holidays. So first day in in the changing room, um, I got changed. A colleague came in and said, oh, Happy New Year. What did you get up to? What did you do? And I said, well... I wrote a book, and he said, oh, what did you write about? I said, My Steps to Sobriety. He looked at me, what did you do that for? And it was the most bizarre thing. And I thought, uh, just because I had to, I wanted to. Huh. And I was finished. I went to my theater. He went to his theater. A few hours later, I got a text, Stefan, can we talk? And here he was a man who had just basically lost part of his life due to the consequences of alcohol, And he was a man who is very high in my esteem. He is a man who thought, wow, he's got his ducks in a row. He is a good doctor. He has got finances sorted. He is, wow, what a guy. I had him up there on a pedestal. And here he was uh, going through a lot of shit and-
1: I sold meth to lots of those guys.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly right. Judges,
1: doctors, lawyers.
0: Exactly. So addiction transcends absolutely every strata of society. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so important to realize. So guys, when you listen to that, you're not alone. Okay. And whatever you've done, it's, yeah, we've all have done it. Some people sold their bodies. Some people sold their soul. Some people did B&Es. Some people did DUIs. You name it, we've done it. Mm -hmm. Come on. So and it is not a pissing contest, okay? This is is basically, you have done what you have done. But guess what? The past does not equal the future. Your choice to take action is there every single second of the day. So the sheer fact that you're now listening uh, to this podcast or watching this YouTube video means you are actually on the right track. You have decided to make a change. So welcome to the family. Welcome to the to to the new kind of brotherhood and sisterhood here um, of people who have done things that they're not proud of uh, and are now living a life that we wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. Yeah. So you
1: know, one thing I want people to understand is that it's okay to laugh about it.
0: <laughs> True.
1: Like, for real, you Mm. have got to get to a place where you're comfortable talking about your recovery, making jokes about your recovery, you know, because it makes other people uncomfortable.
0: (sighs) That's true, too. (laughs) True.
1: They hear drug addict and they're just like.
0: Uh, Exactly.
1: Because everybody knows what a drug addict is capable of. All But nobody takes the time to think about what they're made of, not capable of, right? So it's okay to make jokes about it. I, I, it took my dad a couple of years, but he made a joke one time about math, and I about died laughing. And I was just like, oh, my God, Dad, you made your first dope joke. I'm so proud of you.
0: <laughs> Excellent. 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 Yeah.
1: It's okay well,
0: huh? well, Wow. Very true. Mm-hmm. And it is that is so important because we that's where doctors and nurses are renowned for their gallow humor uh, because we are our humor is plaque because we've seen it. We've seen yeah. the, the deepest abyss, uh, the, the, the worst things that you can see you see as a doctor. And it's a bit the same as an addict in recovery. You've been there, you've done that. And mm-hmm. at some stage you come out and, well, if you get your shit together, not much shocks you anymore. And that's beautiful. So that's where the jokes come in. And I love it that you use humor in order to break the ice and to to suddenly put people in a place where they question themselves and question, what did you just say? Uh, yeah, I kind like, of, do
1: I laugh, do I not laugh? I know, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> No, it's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And I know you're nowadays doing doing quite a bit of coaching there. Um, if people want to to get to know you better and people want to, to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: Um, so I am, I'm on Facebook, of course. I just started a new blog page called Guided by Grace. And I have another page called Guided by Grace One Day at a Time. And it's an open page where people can come and talk mm. and discuss and mm. The only rule I have is that you have to be kind. That's
0: Do it. you? Is there? Does religion play a strong role? I mean, the, the crucifixes behind you are a little bit of a giveaway. That maybe this could be the the fact.
1: Uh, my Jesus is my homeboy. Like, <laughs> he has got my back for ah, sure. <laughs> ah, excellent. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for my faith and grace and compassion,
0: okay. I wouldn't be. Mm. so and 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 that's the beautiful thing but uh i think in the 12 step system god plays quite a big role and traditionally it has been so for aa keeping in mind that it was a system that was put together in the 30s in the united states and mm-hmm. in order to bring that make that system of recovery acceptable uh the the founders of the system basically thought well how can we sell that they were very good sales salespeople and they said okay we need god in there so because that everyone is is god driven so there you go okay. so therefore a lot of things are god if you are secular or if you have a different faith um okay. then that is by no means uh, a, a stumblestone. It makes no difference if you no. believe in one deity or another deity or in no deity whatsoever. It does not matter because God can be a group of druggies or a group of orderly drunks. Um, it's basically the the power of a community the power of human connection and the power of surrounding yourself with people who have been in the shit, gone through it, learned the lessons and are now sharing their lessons with you. That's and what grace. God is. Indeed.
1: Absolutely. Indeed. Grace and compassion is universal.
0: Absolutely. So, and and if you listened uh, to this interview here today, Cassie, you didn't say Jesus Christ or God once. You you were very open. Uh, yet it was an, a natural part of you. So, in other words, you would take on anyone who is willing to engage with you, and where you see that there is hope um, that this person really means what he is doing. So, if Absolutely. let's say a person would be a Hindu. F- f- making up here, you, you would have no problem with that?
1: No, absolutely not, because I guarantee you there's something that you know that I don't know. So I can learn no. just as much from you as you can from me.
0: Absolutely. And with that, you have just defined essentially a lot of things that are happening to us still now, whilst we are starting to give back, uh, me in the sense of running this channel here and this show here, uh, you in the in, the, in the face-to-face coaching, um, it is we are still on a journey. And it is such a beautiful journey because I do not stop learning. And every day I learn more and every day I meet more beautiful people. That's yeah. where I'm, I'm uh, uh, forgive me the pun, that's why I'm hooked on doing this podcast. Um, because it is, the, it, is, it, is, it is an addiction because I meet so many fantastic people. And yeah. I get an hour of therapy here, um, basically for free. Thank you very much. Um, Absolutely. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Because we are <laughs> reflecting and and there is not a single interview where I not go away and think, huh, where suddenly another thing has clicked in my head. Maybe a realization that maybe there's some trauma I had not dealt with enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there is where I suddenly say, ah, that's why that happened. And that is that is that is strengthening you these are the little steps that you are making every day and these are building stones that you put on top of each other and you end up with this this life which is so much more robust where storms will come but you suddenly can weather them in a in a such a better way then then you were doing that in the past when you were still using and whatever came along, you were just using. That was the only thing you knew how to do. Um, mm-hmm. and now suddenly you've got this whole armamentarium of, of powerful tools, a kit set of techniques that that you know, where you can say, Well, bring it on. And ninety-five percent of what you throw at me, I will be able to deal with. And then there are five percent where you think, oh shit. Um, and then you learn <laughs> yeah. how to deal with that.
1: <laughs> you so. do because your option is to not. Yeah. And that's but, not an option.
0: Correct. So. Correct. Because you have learned the power. You are you're a unique person because you have you have achieved so much. You're you have become this this driven person. You have got this ball of energy uh, that is so that makes you so different. And that is beautiful 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 thank you oh, thank aww. you very much yes you're you much. you're a fantastic fantastic guest and you're a lovely woman and it is it's just amazing now i need to ask for the, the crosses there There is we've got a lot of crosses in the house too because my wife is is equally uh very religious she found jesus christ i was a smaller over every door there was a cross here that's okay i'm secular But I know how much it means to her and it puts a smile on my face. Did you do some of them yourself? Is that, are you an artist there yourself? Or do you just Um, live in areas where there are very good guys who are making these things?
1: Yeah, um, most of them are gifts. I have one that says, um, it's well with my soul. And then the rest of them are just decorative.
0: Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And again, whatever it takes to put a smile on your face and to give yourself the reassurance and the the resolution that you know that you're on the right path. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love it that you live your life to the fullest and you live your life with your conviction, with your, this is me. This is Cassie. These are my crosses like it or lump it. And, uh, this is this is the, yeah, the new me I'm
1: gonna do it anyway
0: well exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> and look at this power look at this 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 beautiful self-confidence the self-love that comes from these hard times that we've come through and now we're self
1: self-love is where healing comes from and let me tell you once the little girl is healed the woman shows up
0: oh please so- i hope i hope that not the woman shows up, then, then I'm in trouble. I
1: hope your inner woman doesn't show up one day.
0: But. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think I think your point is so valid. Uh, we have got such a beautiful path still to go. And mm-hmm. uh, let's do that. Let's make this world a bit better. The world needs let's. it right now. And yes. um, so guys, if, you, if Cassie's uh, uh, message resonates with you please get in touch uh, all her uh, media uh, social media details are down there in the description of the video and in the description of the podcast so don't be shy uh, say hello there's there's far worse things that you could do and it is it is time for all of us to take those little steps to make us better and then in turn radiate this positivity around us and who knows maybe maybe we can actually make this world a better place maybe we can because if everyone does it then wow what could we achieve right? would that yeah. not be nice? a whole
1: bunch of little tiny things adds up to really big things
0: hell yes cassie you work gorgeous as a guest thank you so much for coming on to my show
1: Uh, it's been a pleasure thank you Hmm. so much for having me
0: and you guys out there look after yourself make the best of this day take one little decision at a time and who knows where that leads you look after yourself bye